That's not, that's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? One disco. Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs on the fighting for the gay disco. What are there are no slurs here? Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains. And the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. One big They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. I mean, is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe so. you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? One day, day, disco. Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello, and welcome to another segment of EMJ Live. It's Friday afternoon. It's a day, beautiful day in June, and we are in the middle of the culture wars. Culture wars have been intensifying uh, during this period of time. The United States government just issued its most comprehensive statement in, it, in the history of America about battling anti-Semitism. These people, uh, they put, uh, I've already talked about Biden's minion. You bring these people in to the Biden administration and they're not going to waste their time uh, representing the American people or doing anything that they're supposed to be doing. They are going to fight for more Jewish supremacy. And that's exactly what they did with this document. Um, uh, because uh, they hired Deborah Lipstadt, the lady who created the imaginary Daedalic known as Holocaust denial. And now they are going to dragoon the entire federal government <clears throat> into fighting their battles for them, which means the United States Department of Agriculture will now have to have a comprehensive program for fighting anti-Semitism. And that includes 
the Forest Department, the Forest Service is now going to be enlisted in the battle against anti-Semitism. What does the Forest Department have to do with anti-Semitism? Is, is Smokey the Bear an anti-Semite? Is this what we've been reduced to? That's the war that's going on right now. They have taken over our government, and the peop these people are going to use the United States government to wage war on the American people. That's the culture wars. That's what's going on right now. And we're in the trenches. Uh, we're outgunned and outmanned. But uh, what we have on our side is the truth. And the truth is great, and it will prevail. I've said that many times, and more importantly than that, I have staked my life on that principle. For over 40 years now, I have succeeded against overwhelming odds uh, to tell the truth, and uh, I'm not going to stop now. But that doesn't change the fact <clears throat> that when you're in the trench and the, bar and the barrage starts, uh, the biggest problem is other people in the same trench with you. And I'm talking now about fellow Catholics. And I'm talking even more about fellow Catholic pro-lifers, the people who understand that abortion is abomination and they're trying to fight against it. I've already talked about this before. It's a common problem here. Uh, there are certain people who don't understand uh, the sides in the culture wars here. I've tried to explain the triple melting pot. The Protestants are no longer uh, in the battle. Uh, we, uh, uh, as a, uh, an indication of that, uh, Pat Robertson died yesterday, the man who uh, was uh, a big uh, advocate of uh, moral policy uh, during the 1980s, mobilized the evangelicals, was a powerful political force. But as someone who worked with him, it became obvious to me that Zionism was the hidden grammar of the Christian coalition whose head was Ralph Reed, if you remember him. And that became apparent when Ralph Reed got involved with uh, Jack Abramoff in some type of scandal involving casinos in Mississippi. So uh, that, that, that's over. That battle is over. That, those positions are overrun. Uh, and we're in the last ditch here uh, with fellow Catholics. And as soon as you get in the ditch with fellow Catholics, they start attacking you. I mean me. I mean me. Okay. And we've seen this already. We've already talked about the attack on Patrick Coffin, a fellow Catholic who's trying to do the right thing. Attacked not because he did anything on his own, aside from that, his ideas about the Pope Francis, which are largely irrelevant. The main uh, uh, sin that Patrick Coffin committed was being associated with me and not uh, the main, it was compounded by the fact that when the, uh, the ladies, the angry ladies auxiliary here, led by Dawn Goldstein, when they told uh, Patrick to throw me under the bus, he didn't do it. So that was a, the unforgivable sin. And believe me, these people believe in unforgivable sins because they are Jewish in their orientation. Even if they call themselves Catholics, they act like Jews. They are Judaizers because they impose Jewish values on you in the name of Catholicism. This is an old story. 
If you read the Acts of the Apostles, you know what happened back at the beginning of Christianity when certain Jews, uh, after they converted to Christianity, insisted that Greek converts get circumcised and follow the dietary laws of their ancestors, their Hebrew ancestors. St. Paul put a stop to this, but to do that, he had to stand up to St. Peter. And so this was a serious battle then, and it's a serious battle now. The main thing that plagues the Catholic Church, the main thing that plagues the right to life movement, the main thing that plagues our side in the culture wars is disunity. Disunity. Let me give you an example, okay? Now, I'm going to quote uh, from a letter I just received. This letter was written by a pro-lifer to another pro-lifer in a pro-life organization. Okay, pro-lifer A uh, made the mistake of giving a speech to his fellow pro-lifers in which he mentioned the unmentionable, namely the name E. Michael Jones. As soon as he did that, he incurred the wrath of pro-lifer B who is now a commissar for Jewish interests within the Catholic Church and within the pro-life movement. And what did, what, let me give you an example here. I'm going to read this, a direct quote, to give you some example of the mind that is work here, okay? E. Michael Jones is extremely anti-Semitic. I've not read his books, and I won't read them either because I have a massive reading list and he is not a priority. But you can find his viewpoints on the Jews very quickly by just Googling his name. Have, have you ever heard anything this stupid? Here is a guy who is, claim, who is defaming me, and in the same sentence he's defaming me, he's bragging that he never read anything I ever wrote. And on top of that, he's going on to say that he's a virtuous person because he can defame me by not reading anything that I've ever written. And then he goes on to compound uh, his public confession of stupidity by saying that he, a Catholic and a pro-lifer, allows his mind to be formed by Google. Now, if you type in my name, to the Google search engine, the first entry that will invariably come up is the entry by the ADL attacking me as an anti-Semite. Now, what is this Catholic saying about a fellow Catholic? Basically, the ADL now has, uh, has veto power over who is a Catholic in good standing or not. If you want to find out whether Mr. So-and-so is a Catholic in good standing, you have to go to the ADL and the Jew will tell you whether he's a Catholic in good standing or not. Don't go to his pastor. Don't go to anybody in his parish. Don't go to anybody who has read anything he's read. Go to Google and go to the first Google entry that comes up, which is the ADL's attack on me. Is it any wonder why Catholics are losers? Is it any wonder why after, uh, well, let's say, what 19, beginning in 1965 with the passage of Nostra Aetate, that the Catholics have lost every single battle in the culture wars? Is it any wonder? Well, let me explain to you why, okay? And I'm talking here about Janet Smith. I'm talking here about Dawn Goldstein. I'm talking here about Mark Shea, okay? What, 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 do, what do they have in common? 
they don't understand how it works. I'm going to tell you how it works. Okay. If you, I'm talking about LifeSite News, the classic example of what I'm talking about, the Canadian website, more about Canada, but uh, this is how it works. If you, let's go back to that website. They published an article not long ago to say, if you want to be considered pro-life, you have to fight anti-Semitism. Totally stupid article. But what does he really mean? What does that really mean? If you fight anti-Semitism, you are increasing Jewish political power, which is already enormous. If you increase Jewish political power, you are paving the way for more and more abortion in our culture because abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. That's the, that's the logic that is inescapable logic, which means that everyone who fights anti-Semitism promotes abortion. Think it over, Janet. Think it over. I know, I know you're used to playing checkers, but for once, try and play chess, okay? Because this is how it works. And this is why the Catholics lose and lose and lose. They have disunity based on commissars who are willing to, de to, who, to, to uh, denounce fellow Catholics to do the bidding of the Jews and the ADL. And when they do that, they don't understand that by siding with the ADL, you're promoting abortion. It's a fundamental Jewish value. Okay, now there's a corollary to this. How did the Jews get away with imposing their will on, let's say an entire country, when they're such a small group of people? Let's, let's take Canada as a good example. That uh, totalitarian police state to the north of us uh, run by a guy who claims to be the son of Pierre Trudeau, but is probably the son of Fidel Castro, a ruthless totalitarian tyrant who hates uh, the Canadian people and does everything to do the bidding of the oligarchs to crush the will of the Canadian people, as demonstrated in the truckers' crisis. How did it get so bad in Canada? The long story, but I'm going to play you uh, a tape here now that will goes back to 1982 and will go a long way to explaining this story. There are two people on this tape, okay? Two Jews, first Jew, Bernard Nathanson, the man who's responsible for bringing abortion to America, well, along with Larry Later, uh, doing that in New York City. Uh, Nathanson, to his credit, suddenly woke up and had a conversion. He turned against abortion and then he became a Catholic and he died that way fighting abortion. So God bless him. Uh, the other character in this drama is Henry Morgenthaler. That's the Canadian. He's a Jew. Okay, so you got two Jews fighting it out here over the issue of abortion. The time is 1982. Canadian and an American from the United States. Uh, how, is, what is, how, can, how can the outcome be decided here? They're both Jews, okay? So neither one has Jewish privilege over the other. You, I'll show you. Watch how it turns out. Watch how Morgan Thaler wins this argument. Until recently, the respect for life was virtually nil. Life was cheap. Any kind of life. I think as we proceed through this troubled 20th century and on into the 21st, I think we should continue 
the trend which has been established, namely more and more respect for human life, no capital punishment, nothing of that sort, get rid of wars, don't destroy any kind of life, anything within the penumbra of human life should be respected to the ultimate degree and not destroyed. That's not the Middle Ages, doctor. That is the next millennium, if you wish. Well, I agree with you that respect for life is an important thing, and I have tremendous respect for life. Mm. I'm a graduate, Dr. Nathanson, of Auschwitz and Dachau. I know what it means to have a totalitarian system which exterminates people. Mm. I know that, and it's because I yes. want Auschwitz never to happen again, that I help women to get abortions so that children which will be born will be born into homes where they are wanted, desired, oh. given care, affection, and love, so that they will become loving, responsible individuals and not Hitlers or Stalins or Mussolinis or other scourges of society. There you have it. There you have it. I am a graduate of Auschwitz. So how does one Jew trump another Jew in an argument? You play, you bring out the Holocaust card. And the man who holds the ultimate trump card is the man who actually was in Auschwitz. And at that point, uh, unlike Elie Wiesel, uh, Henry Morgenthauer could roll up his sleeve and show everyone the tattoo on his arm, which meant he had moral superiority. And that ends every single discussion. And because of the Holocaust, Morgenthauer had Jewish privilege that could trump whatever Jewish privilege Bernard Nathanson had, but lost when he became a Catholic. Okay. And he could act with impunity. And that's precisely what he did in Canada for the next, whatever it is, decade, the decade of the 1980s, Morgenthaler would open up one illegal clinic, illegal according to Canadian law, uh, perform abortions, kill the innocent, and no one would touch him because he had Jewish privilege and he had Jewish privilege because of the Holocaust. That's the way it works, Janet. You didn't figure that out, did you? Well, there's the proof. That's how it works. And at that point, so beginning, it didn't begin there, okay? It began at World War II. I've written a book about it. It's called The Holocaust Narrative. It will be out soon. But that's the way it works. If you can invoke the Holocaust, you can get whatever you want, okay? You can overturn whatever law you don't like. You can break the law, and no one can stop you because you have Jewish privilege. So over this period of time, it got extended beyond anyone's imagination. So if you fast forward 40 years, roughly, you got this. How many guns need to be seized? How much vitriol do we have to see of Hong Kong, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do we need to see by these protesters on social media. Conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with Canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs, who be able to get their lives back. These illegal protests need to stop, and they will, Mr. Speaker.
I am a strong Jewish woman and a member of this house and a descendant of Holocaust survivors, and I have never made to, I've, it's never been singled out, and I have never been made to feel less, except for today when the Prime Minister accused me of standing with swastikas. I think he owes me an apology. I'd like an apology, and I think he owes an apology to all members of this house. She began it by saying, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. As soon as you say that, you win the argument. Now, who's doing that lately now? Well, uh, Anthony Blinken. He announced that he has relatives who died in the Holocaust, and because he does that, he can fight that war in the Ukraine to the last drop of Ukrainian blood so that the Jews can take over the Ukraine and divide it up with people like Larry Fink, hand it over to Larry Fink, who will buy it up at pennies on the dollar. That's what happened here. That, she's talking about the Canadian truckers' protest. Those Canadian truckers, were who said they were Nazis? They're not Nazis. They're people who are trying to earn a living in a completely totalitarian state. And so they're not, it's got to end. They can't cross the border. They can't make a living. So they go to Ottawa and they say to the, uh, the government, you need to talk to us. And they started beeping their horns, okay? At that point, the Trudeau government pulled out the nuclear option and basically said they're Nazis. How do we know that? Because they paid someone to walk down the street with a Nazi flag and demonize them, tar them with that brush. They were not Nazis. If you want to know who the Nazis are, uh, check out Christia Freeland. She's the finance minister. She's from the Ukraine. She's a supporter of the Azov Brigade. They are the Nazis that the Jew Zelensky is supporting in this war. A, a world turned upside down. A world turned upside down because of one thing, and that is the Holocaust narrative. That will turn your world upside down. And guess what? Ever since World War II, it has turned our world upside down uh, to the point where two men could get married. And when I say uh, uh, that's a, the Jews were behind gay marriage, they call me an anti-Semite. But if you read Tikkun Olam, they brag about it, and it's kind of virtuous. What, check out the World Jewish Congress video about how Jews are so wonderful because they support every single subversive revolutionary movement since World War II. Gay marriage, abortion, these are all Jewish sacraments. And if you criticize them, you're in trouble because the Holocaust narrative allows them to break the law, as Morgenthaler did in Canada, uh, freeze your bank account, as Christia Freeman did to those poor Canadian truckers. Anything, anything can be justified by the Holocaust narrative. That's my rant. What do you have to say? Okay. All right. This is part of the show where we take in calling questions from Telegram. Hi, my name's Mike Bajakis. I do the work here for Dr. Jones of the podcast, if you guys don't know. Uh, okay. So uh, everyone who's watching, if you don't know, uh, link... Uh, in descriptions, various videos and live streams taken to that Telegram call-in. Um, uh, in Telegram, I'm going to raise the um, call on those who raise their hands, and then uh, later in the stream, we'll read off uh, text questions uh, via Cozy and Telegram. There are no paid super chats required. Uh, chat rules: try to keep to one question. Uh, try to keep questions on subject. Be respectful of time, and whatever you do, do not forget to unmute yourself. All right, time to jump to Telegram. Who do we got first? Uh, Aquarius, Aquarius guy. 
Go ahead. Hi, Dr. Jones. Thank you. Um, I'm not quite sure how to phrase this question. Stipulating everything that you're saying, where do you see, like, what's the end game, like, for for a Jewish person to accept Jesus? Or, I mean, where where, where can this go? It's like, it's almost like there's this war on against the Jewish revolutionary spirit or the other way around, let's say, against host societies. But what what's the outcome? What would you like to see the outcome be? You know, that all Jews accept Jesus or some Jews accept Jesus or they accept, at least they acknowledge that Jesus was murdered. You know what I mean? Like, where do we go with all this? What's going to happen in the next okay. 10, 20, 50 I've, I've, years? I've, I've pondered this. Seriously, you are talking about the issue of conversion. Yes, all Jews should accept their Messiah, Jesus Christ, as their Messiah, and they can do this by getting baptized and entering the Catholic Church. That is God's plan for the Hebrew race. That is God's plan for human history. Okay, given that fact, there is something mysterious about this, and I've talked about it not so much uh, uh, with the Jews, uh, but also with the Muslims, uh, specifically with Iran. I talked about the... Uh, um, the, the Magi as my paradigm for the Persian people. These were the Persians who studied the sky and discovered there was a Logos to the universe. That is God's signature. When you see the Logos in the universe, you're seeing the hand of God. And you have to accept the existence of God or you're not a rational person. And generally, atheism is driven by psychological problems like father deprivation and so on and so forth. Okay, so what do the Magi do? They follow the star. New star appears. They follow the star, and the st that star is Logos. And if you follow the star of Logos, you will be led to the Logos incarnate, which is exactly what happened to them. They came across, it wasn't a king. They're looking for the king of the Jews. Oh, wait a minute, it's a baby in a manger. This doesn't seem right, but this is part of what you have to accept. This is the way God does it, not the way you do it. This is the way God does it. And at this point, you have you are challenged. Are you going to accept that God, the, the Logos incarnate, on his terms or not? That was precisely the issue that the Jews faced. And the Jewish people turned away and crucified Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean, Janet, I'm trying to give you a little lesson in category mistakes here. That doesn't mean all Jews, obviously. And the Jewish people are the people that killed Christ and they are enemies of the entire human race. When I said that to Michael Brown, he got upset as if he doesn't know the gospel he professes. That is the situation here. That's the situation for everyone. I can't, I can, what I'm saying here is that Logos is mandatory. And what I mean by that is the Logos of practical reason. For example, that you are not allowed to kill innocent human beings. So it cannot be optional. Abortion cannot be optional. It has to be made, uh, uh, a, it has to be banned. It has to be made a criminal, a criminal act. And we have to use the force of law because what we're doing here is protecting innocent life. And by protecting innocent life, we are protecting Logos. When that got reversed, with the passage of Roe versus Wade, what you saw was a complete erosion of the logos of social order to this day, where now the state and Notre Dame University are committed to the genital mutilation of children. That's because we turned away from logos. 
And we Catholics turned away from the church, and I'm saying this to my brothers in Ireland and Germany as well, where the situation is much worse, and my brothers in Canada. This is the distinction we have to make. If you're interested in the depths of some psychological, what's going on about conversion, uh, read the next issue, July-August issue of Culture Wars, where I talk about Nathaniel Hawthorne and why he didn't convert. But that's as far as I can take this. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jones. You're I welcome. did hear your interview with uh, Tim on, where you discussed Nathaniel Hawthorne, and I'll look forward to reading the next issue as well. Good. Good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Next, we have N.B. Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Jones, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, quick question. You mentioned um, mutilation of children, and you've heard you mention the worship of Moloch before, and kind of on a related subject. I've been reading, there's been a series of stories going back to the 1100s, and there's been probably a, a few dozen of them, of supposedly children being kidnapped and bled by Jews to get their blood. And a lot of this sounds really kooky, but there are, there are accounts of this, and even some carvings on, on some churches about this. Can you explain some of this? I've never heard you talk about it. What's, what's the root behind this and why does it exist? Thanks. Yeah, it's a parody of the Eucharist. And it, it, it has existed. It, it's, it was Jewish practice. They try and claim that it didn't exist. Uh, if you want my take on it, read the chapter in the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit on uh, St. John Capistran where he's traveling on a mission and they get stopped in the town. They want him to be a judge and basically it's a ritual murder trial. And during the trial, uh, the daughter of the rabbi steps forward and says to her, yeah, my father did it. And if you want to improve, go to the basement. And they go to the basement and they dig up and there are the bones. So they did engage in ritual sacrifice of children to drain their blood in some type of sacra, a blasphemous parody of the Eucharist. Uh, it didn't stop there. Uh, 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 Mr. Toaf who was the son of the grand rabbi of Rome, wrote a book called Pasqua de Sangre, in which he said, yeah, it's true. It's true, an independent confirmation of what I just said. And he was so hounded by his fellow Jews that he repudiated the book, but it's, it's available. You can find it. You can find it on the internet if you want. Uh, I, I don't encourage uh, any uh, 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 buying pirated editions because I'm suffering from that myself, but it, it, it's available. That's simply a fact. This did happen. Uh, the Jews uh, don't like it when people paint uh, pictures of it, which is what that Gasparo did, the, the, Italian, the Italian painter. But it's true, and they can't refute its truth, and so they try and shout you down and call you a bad person because you bring it up. But it's true. Okay, thank you. I just found a copy of it on archive.org. <laughs> thank you, Doctor. You're welcome. Okay, next, let's go to... Was it? Dag, Dagtastic? I think that's how you pronounce it. Dagtastic. Go ahead. Hello, Dr. Jones. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Um, I have a question. In regard to the message of Fatima, do you think that the 100 years will be up in 2029 or 2031? What, what 100 years? What are you talking about? Well, the Our Lady alluded to a hundred-year timeline for the message of Fatima. She did not come out and say it, but she made a reference to the hope ending up like the King of France. 
And so, you know, I'm familiar with the message of Fatima. I've read it in Portuguese. Uh, and there's no mention of 100 years in that message. So it's something. No, I know that. It's, it's extraneous to the message. Illusion. So the, the, the message is uh, basically, uh, in a nutshell, Russia will spread her errors. Uh, and that this the Fatima apparition took place at the same time as the Russian uh, Revolution, the so-called Russian Revolution, which basically a Jewish coup d'etat uh, that eventually uh, created the Soviet Union. There are a group of people out there who are what I call Fatima fundamentalists who say that uh, she said Russia and so she meant Russia and Russia is still in existence, so Russia is still a threat. No, that's false. This message, this intervention, the Blessed Mother doesn't intervene into human history unless there's a historical event of particular significance. And that historical event was the Bolshevik takeover of, of uh, Russia, known as the Russian Revolution. That was the event, and that's what Fatima was about. And the, the Blessed Mother said, if you consecrate Russia, uh, it will be reversed. And John Paul II did that in 1984, and it was reversed. And now we have Russia is a Christian country. Uh, now it, it, it's who is defending the moral order? Is it America? Is it the gay disco? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Tony Blinken or is it Vladimir Putin? If you're, you, if you're following me on uh, uh, Twitter or one of those platforms, uh, I, I cited the, the speech he gave about transgenderism, about homosexuality, and so on and so forth. This is a man who has a clear understanding of the problems uh, that are, are facing the West right now and the reason that the American empire is the evil empire and that the poles have been reversed since the time of the anti-communist crusade in the period immediately following World War II. Okay, thank you, Dr. Jones. You're welcome. All right, next we have Charles Coletta. Uh, go ahead, Charles. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Jones, I'm a recent fan of yours. Amazing work. Um, your knowledge of history and the way you sort of uh, frame it in a Catholic context with the, with the sort of oppositional Jewish undercurrent uh i think is really cool um it, it makes it really uh digestible um two quick questions uh i guess we already it's, it's all about your thoughts one um what do you think about uh these sort of i think it mainly happened in canada but it might have happened elsewhere uh christians and muslims coming together to sort of protest the gay disco as you phrase it uh, but really you know sort of lgbt in schools uh, LGBT curriculum in schools, um, how, you know, is that just a sort of flash in the pan or is that, is that sort of a possibility of a developing phenomenon? And um, second question is, uh, you know, what are your general thoughts on something that I used to really, really enjoy reading about and watching videos on, which is like the quest of the historical Jesus. And today I just find it to be so, so nonsensical and almost pointless but at a time when i really was into it there, there seemed to be so much going for it and you know reading people like jo uh, robert eisenman and uh and uh the 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 i forgot the name of it the the the, the major school from the 19th century that proposed that paul was simon magus you know really when you don't know it's really interesting stuff but then right right 
as we more about it, it gets it seems to get nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, holy blood, holy grail. I mean, there's an Italian expression for this, non è vero mai ben trovato. It's not true, but it's a great story. That's the whole historical Jesus thing. If you want the historical Jesus, read the Gospels. That's why they were written. Okay? Now, second, what was the first the first issue again? Um, yeah, what are your, 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 what are your thoughts on the sort of Muslims and, and Oh yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. Christian. I it's exactly what has to happen. Okay, Muslims, what what unites uh Muslims and Christians? Logos. What logos am I talking about? Uh logos is reason. If you're talking about practical reason, that is known as the moral law. And we know it because it's written on our hearts whether we are Muslims or Christians. Muslims and Christians worship the same God. We differ in our understanding. That difference in understanding should not inhibit political collaboration to fight this abomination known as transgenderism, drag queen story hour, homosexual <laughs> marriage, the Jewish uh, uh, sacrament of abortion or pornography, the other Jewish sacrament. We need to unite here against this. The main thing inhibiting this is that the Jew gets in charge of positions of power in the United States and he wraps the American flag around his shoulders uh, claiming that he's, uh, when he's really pursuing the Jewish agenda. That's what's happening with the Biden administration. That's Anthony Blinken in a nutshell. That war is a Jewish war for Jewish benefit. The Ukrainians don't benefit. The Americans don't benefit. It's Larry Flink and Zelensky and all those guys that benefit. I've said it before. The, the Jew, Merrick Garland, he's attorney general. Does he go after crime? I am plagued by crime uh, uh, on the Internet on a daily basis of people stealing my work. Does he help me in all? No, he doesn't care about the American people. He's pushing the Jewish agenda and he's using the office of attorney general to go after conservative pro-life Catholics because abortion is a Jewish sacrament and he wants to punish anyone who doesn't believe that. That's what's going on here. So you can't have people like this representing, claiming that they're representing the United States of America. They are not. They are representing Jewish interests. And this is what alienates uh, the unsuspecting around the world. Now, I, I, I have been to Iran many times, and I have to say that the Iranians do not operate this way. The Iranians have a clear understanding of, the distinct, of a distinction between the Jews who control our culture and our government and the American people, and they are not at war with the American people. And when I go there, I assure them that the American people are not at war with them. The problem we have is the Jewish control of our foreign policy. The problem we have is what I said in Mashad. There are three reasons why the Iranians don't have a nuclear agreement. Sheldon Adelson, Bernard Marcus, and Paul Singer. Three rich Jews control, controlled under the Trump administration, who was better than Biden by a long stretch, but three rich Jews controlled American foreign policy. This got to stop. Got to stop. And who's going to stop it? I have yet to see someone. The great white hope will come on the scene. Who is it now, this week? It's Ron DeSantis. He stood up to Disney and the Jews at Disney World. 
Oh, wait a minute. He just passed the worst hate speech crime legislation in American history. And he went not to Tallahassee to sign it, which is the capital of Florida. He went to Israel to sign it. Sorry, Ron, you lost my vote. And then, okay, forget about Ron. We have Robert Kennedy now. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Robert Kennedy just <laughs> announced that he's supporting uh, abortion because he's a Democrat. Bobby, uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy, if I may presume to say, you made your name by talking about medicine. How can you defend abortion if you're for honest medicine? That's impossible. And then on top of that, he throws Roger Waters under the bus, and then he says uh, that he supports Israel. And just to make sure, the Jews send Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuley Botik to visit Bobby. Are you sure? We really want to know whether you support us. And Bobby says, sure, I do. And he goes off and marches down the street carrying an Israeli flag. Sorry, Bobby. Much as I love to have you avenge your father and your uncle, you're not going to do it by doing this. This is the fundam a fundamental problem in American political life, and therefore the world is Jewish control of the reins of government. That's the problem. Yeah, and if I could just make one final point on that, one thing I noticed, you know, th this Biden administration loves to um, uh, show that it's, you know, very diverse, uh, pro especially black women in particular, promoting black women at, at a lot of, you know, uh, uh, important positions. But if you look at the portfolios, they're actually either a lot of fluff or very thin. All the consequential positions, cabinet and undersecretary, all go to Jews. It, and, and someone pointed it out how if it were if it were Chinese or even Mormon, people would literally look at it funny and say, well, wow, what's going on yeah. here? But we're so conditioned to be nice that you can't point that out. Like all the consequential positions, not just like Secretary of State, uh, uh, the Treasury, but even the undersecretary positions in, in everywhere, they're all Jews, but all the fluff positions go to black women. Right. And, and but believe me, fellas, nobody, we're not, we're kidding ourselves. If you think you can have be an independent black politician and not support the Israel lobby and Jewish interests, that that issue was laid to rest when Cynthia McKinney, the congressman from Georgia, I believe, went uh, to her office. OK, she's told the story many times. She shows up at her office. She hasn't even taken the oath of office yet. And there's a fax machine. That was the era of fax machines. Churns out a piece of paper. This is the pledge to IPAC. I pledge to support IPAC before she even takes the oath of office. This has got to stop. These people are going to drive the car over the cliff until someone pries their hands off the steering wheel. Ukraine is the front wheels are already over the edge of the cliff because of these people. Anthony Blinken, Victoria Nuland, all of the Jews who were involved in this conspiracy to depopulate the Ukraine and lead, a, a, and break up Russia. We got to stop it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time, Dr. Jones. I'm You're a welcome. real admirer of yours. Keep great work. You're welcome. All right. Uh, who is next? Jimbo. Jimbo Zoomer. Hold on. Uh, all right. Go ahead, Jimbo. Hi, um, I understand you know a lot about um, like blood libel and Jewish um, sacrifice. I was wondering what you think about the idea of them consuming it and adrenochrome. I have no idea what adrenochrome is. Can't tell you. Can't talk about it. 
But if you're talking okay. about con consuming it, well, the, the blood libel is based on a blasphemous parody of the Eucharist. That's what the Jews, that's why they hate, needed uh, blood to do it. Uh, because the Jesus Christ said, this is my body and this is my blood, and they're going to do a blasphemous parody of that. Um, okay, and then with that, I was just wondering what you think about... It, I might be mistaken, but I think there's a covenant after the flood that the Jews believe that Noah made right. about not consuming blood. Do they just ignore that with that? No, I, that's, I, uh, look, I'm no scripture scholar, but you're talking about two, you're conflating two things. I think you're talking about Deuteronomy and Numbers and the Noahide covenant, which is completely different. The Noahide covenant oh, is, for, okay. is for everyone. It's not a Jewish covenant. It's a covenant for everyone, for the entire human race. Okay, but so, I mean, they, if they're consuming blood, they're obviously just ignoring whatever, like the kosher law or whatever, while doing whatever, that anyways. Whatever, whatever the Torah prohibits, the Talmud permits. That's a, 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 a cliche. Uh, so that's how they get around it? Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks there, Jimbo. Let's let's do let's do one or two more here, and then we're gonna get to the chat and cozy. So you guys start posting your questions now. Uh, let's see, Weston Paradigm Live. Go ahead, Weston. Oh hi there, uh, Mr. Jones, Dr. Jones. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'll keep this short and sweet, but um, I absolutely agree with you with the uh, sentiment of the. Uh, the idea of logos and how we need to be uniting with our um, with our fellow Muslims, because as far as I'm concerned, it has been an organized and orchestrated effort by the Jews to make us separated and hated. Um, I think we could all agree that about 20 years ago, the media, they rolled us up. They made us very I don't like using these words, but bear with me and forgive me for using this word, but Islamophobic, anti-Muslim, whatever you want to call it. I'm not. Um, I don't particularly love Muslims, but uh, I made the effort to learn the Arabic language so that I could um, communicate with these people on a more personal level when, you know, obviously talking about Jews. And uh, this is my life mission. I want to unite, not the religions, obviously. Right. Uh, look, I have a guy who wrote for me uh, years ago, uh, and now he's a, he's a Muslim basher. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he, uh, we, I published an article about him. He, he gets money from the Shilman, Shilman, the, the Shilman. He's a shill for the Shilman Foundation. Uh, because there's money there if you will bash Muslims. There's no money there saying uh, Muslims and Christians, Catholics should unite and fight the uh, gay disco. There, no money for that uh, because that's the people that control the money. So you're absolutely right. We need to uh, make an end round. We need unity uh, based on Logos. That's what's going to turn the, turn the tide here throughout the world. All right. Thank you. I think Wesson disappeared here, but uh, that was a good question. Uh, let's see. Let's do, uh, I don't know, one or, one or two more, uh, and make sure you guys get some chat questions in Cozy. Let's go to, let's see, Cypher Zone. Let's see. Go ahead, Cypher. Uh, I want to... Uh, hello, Mr. Jones. Uh, night. Uh, hello. Pleased to talk to you. 
Uh, I want to make a question, uh, not about uh, geopolitics this time. Uh, uh, since you already uh, wrote some stuff in arts and critics and this kind of stuff, I want to ask you, uh, what do you think about this series that is very famous about uh, in Christian circles? It's a TV series called uh, The Chosen. Uh, I don't know what are your thoughts on that. I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. I know I should have seen it, but I haven't. So I can't give you an opinion. Okay, okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, thanks, Cypher. Let's go to, let's see, Daniel, oh, Daniel Stone. Go ahead, Daniel. Good afternoon, Dr. Jones again. Hope you're well. Yes, thank you. And your, and your crew. Um, I had a quick question. Uh, I, I don't want to say I'm becoming a little black-pilled as time continues on, but no, no matter how much I try and show people, even say family and close friends that have known me for years and have seen me, you know, quote unquote, become more uh, crazy compared to, you know, years past where I was just kind of your normal conservative. Now I'm at the point where it's like, uh, I don't want to conserve anything. I want to start fresh. And do you, do you see others kind of coming to that same uh, point? Not just yeah. Look, look, conservatively speaking. Yeah, conservatism died a long time ago. I mean, it depends on what you mean by it. You could say it died when the Jews took it over with neoconservatism. Uh, you could say uh, it died with uh, Sam Francis when he got expelled from the, uh, uh, the Washington Times because Buckley didn't like him. Uh, and so he ended up uh, becoming a white boy because conservatism didn't exist anymore. It didn't exist. The same thing could happen to Joe Sobrin when he brought up the Jewish question. He was expelled from the synagogue. That's what conservatism is. It's basically the latest is John Zmirak, who wrote a, an encyclopedia of conservatism. I wasn't included in it because he's smart enough to realize I'm not a conservative. But he just wrote something attacking me, uh, trying to keep this thing alive. It, it was on life support uh, when Donald Trump was elected and Donald Trump killed it. Do you remember when uh, people like Robbie George wrote indignant letters to National Review excommunicating Donald Trump from the conservative movement and then he became president? Well, what do you do then, Robbie? What are you going to do? Uh, uh, this is exactly what happened to Bill Kristol. It's dead. So don't let the yeah. dead bury the dead. It's gone. It's over. It was a way to keep people in line after World War II. You know, God bless Russell Kirk. He had some idea of what it was. He came from Michigan. You know, he wrote a book called The Conservative Mind. Henry Regnery published it. I was a, a friend. I, 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 I knew Henry Regnery. I admired the man. Uh, but it's over. It's gone. And we have to come up with something that has more depth to it than that uh, political movement, which was always uh, an idol with clay feet. Uh, and the, the basis of what we're doing is logos, which is unshakable. That is the fundament of what we are. And that's if, if someone can use that to gain political office, well, great, we have a political movement. But until we have that, we still have a movement that is based on reality and not some type of category of the mind that was created by the CIA. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. And that's actually a point that I've, I've been making with both family as well as uh, friends, you know, many of whom still come, 
call themselves conservative. And that's the kind of where I go first. You know, well, what is it you want to conserve? And they like, I want to conserve America. I said, but America is, is, is a gay nation. America's new flag is the rainbow pride flag. And I said, what are they proud of? Having an increased rate of STDs, venereal disease, and, and pedophilia, you know, amongst their ranks. Is that right. something you want to be calling pride? I mean, isn't pride one of the seven deadly It is. Sins? Of course it is. Yeah. So, I don't, look, I want to restore the American Republic. I don't want to I don't want to conserve the American empire, which is what conservatism is about and has been about ever since World War Two. I want to restore the American Republic, a place that where politicians represent the people of the United States rather than moneyed Jewish interests. That's what I want to restore. Well, I, just, just to follow up on that, if I, if I may, uh, I was going to say, you know, Whenever I look through, you know, history, reading through history, the, the, the most stable societies have always been some degree or, or flavor of monarchy. And, because, you know, because it, when you have the political turmoil of election cycles, you know, like we've seen, particularly in the last 50 years in the United States, where the polarity has really just gone completely separate ways. And I think that's by design. You know, if you look at a 60s Democrat, you know, a JFK or RFK Democrat versus a late 90s into present day Democrat, you know, you're basically looking at communists today compared to what would now be considered a Republican, you know, in most ways, you know, a Southern Democrat of the 60s right. is now today's Republican. So Listen, look, we're, we're way, we're, first of all, we'll never have a king. As Tom Paine said in America, the law is king. If you want a king, move to France and work for the restoration of the Bourbon monarchy. It's not going to happen over here. But the battle is too big, uh, it's, it'll be fought uh, on a house-to-house -house basis, like Muslims and Catholics uniting to get a drag queen story hour removed from the local library, this type of thing. Consciousness will spread, they will encounter resistance, and they will back down. That is the way, that's the way it will work. I, I, a friend of my mother's is a, uh, is a librarian uh, locally to where she lives and uh, she and some of the other librarians who are uh, against the uh, rainbow agenda uh, perpetually keep the books in in the system but out of the cycle of the system by keeping them checked out because uh, they're also the ones who issue library cards so they can create library cards so there's there's ways to subvert the enemies right. uh, those people know, those people thing. should get together those library professionals should get together with the people and kick out the local library board that's where the problem starts the people who get on board the board uh, that uh, directs what books to be bought anyway thank you thank you for your yeah. thank you for your question. thank you have a good day all right uh now is the segment of the show where we jump to the chat and cozy and let's see who we have First, I say, all right. Uh, WK Worldwide asks, uh, would Jesus be a representation of the Jewish revolutionary spirit? If not, why? Because he's the Logos incarnate, and the Logos is the opposite of the revolutionary spirit. The Logos is the order of the universe. So if you're talking about a corrupt society like ours, we're not talking about revolutionaries changing. We're talking about counter-revolutionaries who are going to undo the revolution that has already taken place. The only objective criterion of whether you're a revolutionary or a counter-revolutionary is logos. Either you're for it or you're against it. The Jewish revolutionary spirit is an attack on logos. 
we are trying to restore the rule of Logos, uh, the Logos as the basis of our culture, after the Jews undermined it over the past 60 years. From B.W. Manu, uh, since the three Magi were Zoroastrian, uh, what can you tell about the relationship between Zoroastrianism and Christianity? There is, the relationship is called Logos. That's the common denominator between that religion, which was created by men in an attempt to understand the universe. So there, there, as I understand it, there were two gods, a good God and an evil God, and that was an attempt to explain the presence of evil in the world. It failed because if the good God cannot eradicate the evil God, he's not all powerful. If he's not all powerful, he's not God. So to say that they are Zoroastrians, I'm not sure. I, I never talked to these guys. They may have lived in a Zoroastrian culture. They may have seen it the way I see it. And they were uh, their religion was Logos, and that's what led them to the Logos incarnate. But that's the way I would explain the relationship between the two. From Based and Blind, a question. Did Dr. Jones see the recent comments about Tucker Carlson's show on the war on Ukraine by Gleenback? Uh, I, I watched his first video when he came back. Uh, uh, the first video uh, on Twitter. Don't remember. Was there something about the... I guess Greenblatt said something about it. That's good to check out. Uh, well, anyway, uh, so, uh, so I, I can't really comment because I don't have an exact remembrance of what he said and, or whether I was watching the same video that you were watching. I, I'll, I'll give you an analogy. God bless Tucker Carlson, okay? He was uh, functioning under the parameters and restrictions of the mainstream media, okay? Terrible restrictions on free speech, okay? But he, he did it bravely. He stuck up against that bravely, did it well. Uh, and now he's suddenly in a different, completely different situation. The analogy I'm going to use is, uh, I don't know whether you heard the story, but, but uh, killer whales, okay, they're kept in captivity and they swim around uh, an 80, it's an 80 foot ta diameter tank. If you put these whales in the ocean, they will continue to swim around uh, in an 80 foot uh, circle, diameter circle. This is the, the issue that uh, Tucker Carson is facing right now. Uh, can he swim through the entire ocean? Can he really deal with the realities that he wasn't allowed to deal with? Uh, the main being the Jewish question. He knows about it. He knows that they, they, uh, are tr they were out to get him. He was on Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly said the ADL wants to get you fired. And Tucker said, fuck the ADL. So he knows who they are. He knows they were out to get them. Can he come up with a critique, a plausible critique, that will deal with the fundamental reality of political life, which is the Jewish control of our culture, without using euphemisms like neoconservative and blah, blah, blah. That's the big question, because that's, that's the question you got to answer. So the, what disappointed me in the first video was he started talking about unidentified flying objects and Obama's twisted sex life without going into the details. Uh, so I know Tucker Carlson hangs on my every word, uh, so I hope he uh, takes this uh, advice as constructive and focuses on the real issue. A good follow-up question here from Kingfish AF. 
Dr. Jones, what do you think of the belief uh, some Christians hold that UFOs and aliens are actually demons? Look, there is one uh, extraterrestrial being out there that we know for certain exists, and it's called the angel, angels. And there are good angels and there are bad angels. And I'm saying that UFO and all this other type of stuff and aliens uh, come about in a culture which represses uh, Christi the Christian understanding of angels. The repressed always returns. And the return of the repressed, the angel is repressed, it returns as a UFO. That's my feeling. From a user on Cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, can we consider Bitcoin a viable path to fight the Jewish control of our financial systems? No. Bitcoin is a tulip. If you want to know about tulips, the tulip bubble, read my book, uh, Barren Metal, which is a history of economic, history of capitalism as a conflict between labor and usury. Money is issued by the state, okay? You cannot have private money. You can buy things, you can buy gold, you can buy the things that are a, a repository of value, but you can't use them as money. If you get into, if you get into this Bitcoin thing, you're engaging in barter. Uh, you're not engaging in, you're not using, it's not money. From Crypto Llama on Cozy, Dr. Jones, what do you say to people who try to defend the Jewish people by saying Jesus was a Jew? This is a very interesting question. It's a philological question. Uh, and I, the, the crucial document is the Gospel of St. John, and the crucial term is hoi judeoi, uh, the Jews. What does he mean by that? The term hoi judeoi is pejorative. St. John uses it 71 times, and there's only one time when it is not pejorative. Every other time it is a pejorative term which could not be applied to Jesus Christ. You cannot apply pejorative terms to Jesus Christ. So the, the classic example I've always talked about is the Parents of the man born blind refused to speak out of fear of the Jews because the Jews threatened to expel from the synagogue anyone who said that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. They were all, they all had the same DNA. But it's clear that the Jews here are the, are the people uh, who are going to expel you from the synagogue. The definition of Jew here is a rejecter of Jesus Christ. Well, obviously, you cannot apply that to Jesus Christ, can you? That's a philological issue that has to be based on actual uh, text, actual words. From Carlos Rios, 07, uh, Dr. Jones, why is it that so many Catholic apologists today lead with Darwinism in their apologetic? They lead, did you say they lead, lead with? They lead with Darwinism. They lead with. Yeah, it's like, they stay, yeah. It's okay, right. I'm sorry, I was, why, I don't know why I had those headphones on, I can't. <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, Darwinism is important because it is the basically the metaphysical foundation of the American empire. Uh, and so uh, if you want to know the story of how that works, read, the, read uh, Logos Rising. The first chapter in Logos Rising is a, a refutation of Darwin, Darwinistic, Darwinian evolution. It's metaphysically impossible. Uh, and so uh, I think a lot of people understand that. Uh, I personally feel that they get off on the wrong track 
by in immediately trying to come to some type of correlation between Agassiz's geological record and the seven days of uh, creation in Genesis. It's not that simple. And I've tried to explain this to people. Okay, uh, they say, well, what about, what about the Gospel of St. John? The Gospel of St. John ends by saying, I saw it, I'm an eyewitness. John saw it, he said it, and it's true. Okay, there is no eyewitness to the creation of the universe other than God himself. So when you're dealing with Genesis, you're dealing with what has to be a kind of poetic narrative that needs to be understood according to the poetic conventions of Hebrew poetry, the times, and so on and so forth. That distinction has to be made. And uh, the Pope Pius Twelfth in Humanum Gainus, Gainerus, forget what it is, uh, talked about the essentials as opposed to the poetic uh, in Genesis. Uh, the essential statement of Genesis is, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. That is an earth-shaking, earth-changing, world-changing statement that uh, is the opposite of anything that Darwin is ever going to say, and that's the essence of the Genesis narrative. From Militant Yay Stan, Dr. Jones, Thoughts on BlackRock's Larry Fink, real name Finkelstein, saying their goal is to force certain behavior. What, what is, I'm shocked. There was gambling going on here. I'm shocked. Now, of course, this is what their, what his goal is. He, he's, if he spills the beans, yeah, of course. This is the, the Jewish plan uh, for uh, pr the preservation of Jewish privilege so that they can go and take over and loot entire countries like the Ukraine, which is he's intimately involved in, uh, for the benefit of his fellow Jew investors in BlackRock. That's what, that's what this war is about. And Zelensky is a tool who will be paid handsomely uh, to do that. Uh, and uh, uh, Anthony Blinken is an accomplice. That's what's going on. That has nothing to do with the interest of the American people. And that's why the American people need to rise up and put a stop to it insofar as they can. From Wokart, Dr. Jones, if Russia is a Christian country in opposition to global homo, why don't they address their abortion crisis? I think they are addressing their abortion crisis. Uh, uh, but you're talking about a man. So, uh, yes, it's a Christian country. Yes, Vladimir Putin is a Christian. It's an established religion with all the problems that go with an established religion run by a man whose calculus is political and not metaphysical or moral or philosophical. So you can complain all you want about Putin and people complain. The Russians complain loud, more loudly than we do, but he's in a tough situation and it's easy to second guess him. And if I were, look, if you make me president and a czar, I'll, I'll do things differently, but I don't see that happening. All right, it's a little bit uh, after six, Dr. Jones. Do a couple more? Or? Yeah, two more. All right, uh, from Post No Bills, question. Uh, RFK has given his support to Israel and Zionism. Do you still support his presidential campaign? I can't support someone who will, will do something like that. That's the problem. This, I, I, I was hopeful at the beginning when he started talking about finding the, the, the murder of his uncle was uh, a coup d'etat. Okay, he said, he, he said the direct quote, I watched the video, I support Israel's right to exist. Well, wait a minute, Israel didn't support your uncle's right to exist. 
As soon as he made it clear that he was going to stop the new production of nuclear material and weapons at Daimona, uh, the Jews declared war on him. The Israelis declared war on him. Uh, the, the Jews, I, I, don't know, I don't know who was involved in the murder of, John, uh, of his father. I suspect it was Lyndon Johnson uh, because he posed a threat to the, to the Vietnam War. 1968 was the year of assassinations. It was Martin Luther King. Now we have uh, add Thomas Merton to the list. That was what was going on there. I can't, he's, Robert Kennedy Jr. has to make up his mind about what he's doing. You can't say that I'm, uh, you can't try to establish your uh, reputation as a being for, med uh, uh, for scientifically honest medicine or morally honest medicine and then say you support abortion. That's a contradiction that makes no sense. It, it, it undermines everything he did to, you know, with vaccines and all the other type of stuff, cleaning up the uh, Hudson River, all that type of stuff. It doesn't make sense. And he should have understood that from the beginning and he should have taken a different approach. All right. Last question from Dr. Dan. This is an interesting one. Uh, is EMJ in danger of arrest if he were to travel to Germany? Uh, actually, I just listened to someone who is in that, uh, wrote a letter, was planning to go to Germany, has been as outspoken as I have on some of these uh, sensitive issues. He actually wrote to the uh, German government and got an answer. They said, basically, if you stay in the airport, we're not going to touch you. If you go out of the airport and say anything about the Holocaust, you'll be arrested immediately. I think that's the situation now. That's a tough one. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, once again, I'm Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. Um, if you're not already, subscribe to Culture Wars Magazine. If you need any books, it's at fidelitypress.org. Culture Wars Magazine is going to be on culturewars.com. Sub to the Telegram. Sub to Cozy. Follow all the links of everything else. I don't have any uh, announcements, really. I, I have a lot of questions about the book coming out, but uh, what do you got, Dr. Jones? Last the book word. is at the printer. I'm waiting for a date, a delivery date. So please, please be patient. It will, it will be out. It will be out soon. And what I talked about tonight with, uh, with uh, that Morgenthaler, Henry Morgenthaler debate, it's crucial. That was a crucial point to, if you want to understand the power of the word Holocaust to undermine the social order. That's what this book is about, and it'll be out soon. All right. Thanks, guys. God bless.